once again another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar coming to you on this late March day from our bomb shelters and quarantine hidden underneath as we all feast on canned goods and baked beans. I am your co-host, Mike One. This is co-host also Mike coming at you from separate houses. Mike, how's your quarantine going today? I never thought I'd be living the plot of 10 Cloverfield Lane. But I'm living the plot of 10 Cloverfield Lane like all of us are. Yeah. And it's uh, it's really crazy. This would be the optimum time for an alien invasion. <laughs> if the, they were going to do it, they will do it soon, I would say. Yeah, I mean, why uh, not? But, well, why would they bother? We're doing a good enough job of taking ourselves out, I guess. <laughs> yeah, we had a uh, one of the most depressing pre-production <laughs> conversations where this tone of voice was used, <laughs> and then and then and then it was something was like, yeah, we're all gonna die. Yeah. And that was like the end of every transition to the next, you know, part of the conversation. <laughs> and then I, I don't know. I, I, at least we're not Patriots fans, I would say right now. That's true. Tom Brady, that's true. Tom Brady's a Buccaneer, and that's the most bizarre thing that's happened in the last month for sure. Right. <laughs> yeah, no question. There's nothing stealing headlines from that being the main star. No, as always, and as obviously we're talking about the coronavirus to start off, that's kind of what these episodes are right now. Now, don't get us twisted. We are not your source of news, and God forbid you think we are. No. I, we will tell you outright, no. Uh, what we do here is we're trying to provide some form of entertainment, some form of a distraction, just kind of be a roundup of the news that is occurring. We don't want to be the ones breaking it to you. We're just going to try to uh, use what we have at our disposal and our expertise that we done this the last couple of years in terms of maybe prognosticating and projecting what it all means for the business in the future but uh as far as the ones being the news and being the, the people to break these stories to you uh we are sure that you are getting it from other outlets so uh and lord knows there's plenty of time to be watching tv and watching uh and reading up on what's going on in the world so i guess as a means of trying to entertain you and trying to put a smile on your face and maybe give you some optimism and hope for the future we can bring you some of that news that well uh, we were just talking about my Michael, you want to start uh, with some good news or some bad news here today? Well, let's start with the bad news first. Let's get that out of the way. And look, you all know it. California is now on lockdown. New York, uh, Illinois, Connecticut just followed in the last hour. Like Mike said, we're not here to summarize that. Uh, but we do have uh, some entertainment news, and we do want to talk about the effects on the entertainment industry. Mike, the leading story comes from France. Yeah, can finally uh, officially postpone their film festival. I saw Spike Lee on Instagram talking about this earlier today. He also gave a quote, uh, I think it was to Variety, saying that if they find a time to reschedule it later in the year, sometimes late fall or maybe in the winter, he would do his best to come back as he was supposed to be the president of the, uh, the jury this year and what happens there it can but they are officially postponed and will not be taking place in may so this is a little scary because this is a mid-may festival to think that we are going to be reviewing movies in mid-may i don't know what we're gonna we're gonna like david lynch rewatch what are we gonna do yeah, that'd like, be appropriate <laughs> that would that would be appropriate i was gonna pitch that to you after the show uh i don't know what we're gonna be doing in mid-may i just know we're not gonna be reviewing the Cannes film festival palm dior winners yeah which is a shame i'm hoping it does get postponed for june there that would be cool but then again you're getting black widow finally moved you're getting minions bumped and from july you're getting wonder woman speculation on what's going to happen with wonder woman uh, all these releases were far out when this whole apocalypse started and now 
they are getting axed, getting bumped, and it, it is it is a bit scary. It was a marketing tactic, I thought, all along, and I guess they were putting forth a strong front because the, the stories leading up to this point was Can saying, we're not going to move it, we're not going to move it, we're not going to move it. And to me, that always registered as, okay, whatever, buddy. I, I, I had a feeling this would end up getting moved because you have to. It makes no sense for to congregate 30,000 people or whatever the number was last year that ended up going to Can uh, under these circumstances and conditions, and that's just the way of the world right now as far as will it be moved i know they're examining dates currently you know i wouldn't be surprised if, if a lot of things end up getting scrapped and we just try to have a reboot and this is part of the it's going to get worse before it gets better that we talked about at the onset of this virus coming over to american shores and i, I don't think we're at rock bottom yet unfortunately uh with the cities being down and on lockdown and quarantine and only essential staying open and these big gatherings and every venue of entertainment kind of being pushed off. This is the reality we're facing. And yeah, it sucks, but hopefully we can all, you know, just kind of hunker down and do our part to stay the hell away from one another to get through it. And I think it's responsible on Can's part to shut this down. Finally. Finally, after they were like holding people's feet to the fire, right. like you got to tell us you're coming. You got to reserve <laughs> this. You got to reserve that. They're being annoying with those stories on all the trades. Yeah. But uh, you're right. It was inevitable and it's appropriate. And it's unfortunately it's necessary. Uh, I do think a big story last week has come to. Well, not to fruition quite yet, but the, the National Association of Theater Owners just asked Congress for aid. This is a scary story as well because basically we got a lot of workers that are going to be laid off. And this is what everybody's reckoning with at this stage where all the state shutdowns, people are being furloughed, people are being put on unemployment. This is a reality of things. It's happening, of course, in the theater industry. Just listen to the IndieWire podcast. Ann Thompson was talking about how a lot of the smaller theaters are probably not going to make it. So when, when this does blow over, finally, we're going to have less movie theaters. We're going to have less movie business yeah. going forward. So this, this is very scary. And the fact that they're right up front, that NATO here, it says the headline, NATO asks Congress for aid, <laughs> which is scary. By the scarier, let's just say, because of their acronym, which they should not have. Can we just be honest? Yeah. They should not have that acronym? Well, clearly the most important NATO, according to our president, most likely. Uh, I don't want to get on my political high horse or a political rant on this, but if there's any kind of, uh, if this shows you nothing else about how to act as a uh, an employee of a business in this quarantine, in this shutdown right now, everyone should unionize because it's much easier for a union to get somebody attention than it is for individual employees of these one-off movie theaters and that's kind of what we're dealing with like right now we have a couple other stories we're going to comment on the alamo draft house is putting forth a two million dollar fund to try to keep its hourly employees uh having a source of income coming in netflix just announced today they're going to start a 100 million dollar fund that's at least 85 percent of that is going to go towards the hourly employees and the hourly wage employees that work on their productions but that's only the alamo draft house that's only netflix's own Productions for the most part. Yes, there's other, uh, there's like a SAG AFTRA fund that's out there that's trying to provide the same source of income for their hourly and low wage workers, but. Uh, this is going to happen a lot. And I, I said this on our last episode. I don't know what the answer is, but there needs to be one because yeah, we're just talking about the movie theater industry, but this is applicable to every major industry out there, especially in the entertainment sphere. All the, the, the workers that the hourly paid workers that make these things go, the people that tear the tickets, the people that sell concessions and hot dogs at the sporting events, the people that are really responsible for keeping the machine and the wheel turning, 
they're going to need some sort of income. And I know the president has talked about Congress cutting checks to people under those certain conditions and, and just getting the, basically paid to stay home from the federal government. I guess that's a step in the right direction. Based on what I've seen in the news uh, and based on the, the articles I've read about what to expect and how long we're going to expect this to be, I don't know that that's enough, quite frankly. So I'm wondering if that is kind of a cop-out not to allow them to go on unemployment? Is that like a delay for unemployment? Because I don't trust, unfortunately, I don't trust the government at this stage, which which is even scarier. Yeah, can't imagine why. Uh, the way I understand it is that it's basically going to be they're laxing the rules of unemployment for people who want to apply for unemployment. That's at least what my understanding was as of last night. So if people want to apply for unemployment, supposedly it's it's going to be easier for them to get accepted right now because of the conditions that's going on in the country. So I think that's running a parallel to it and not trying to cap it off or intersect okay. with it. Well, I, I would only hope so. I would hope that uh, funds like this continue to be yeah. set up. So that is a happier story as we start to transition into some happier <laughs> stories, I guess. So that we'll get into some more of the good news now. And, uh, you know, a slightly good news for me is that AMC paused all A-list memberships while theaters are closed for the likely 6 to 12 weeks, which is, you know, what the story said a couple of days ago, which feels like months ago when I put this thing <laughs> it together. It really Mike. does. It's, it's so just, sad. Time is dripping by in these quarantine situations. If you feel like you did something last night, it felt like three weeks ago. That's what we're dealing day with. Seven, here. Mike. This yeah. is only day seven of our quarantine, <laughs> Thursday to Thursday. Like last Thursday, we kind of said, all right, no more seeing people. And today, oh my God, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. All right. Well, putting a bright side on it, like you said, you are enrolled in AMC's A-list. I am not. This is, again, I would say responsible of them to do. Do you expect them as an A-list member to kind of give you any sort of perk? I can't imagine they're able to pause that stream of income if theaters are shut down for too long. Three months is even sounding like a lot. So do you expect them to try to work something out for you to get a little bang for your buck here? They just sent me an email that basically said, you don't have to do anything. We're pausing all memberships. Uh, you're not taking away your points. We're not taking away your birthday, you know, free popcorns or whatever the perks are. It's just a straight up pause. We're not going to charge your card and we're going to just pick up when we reopen. And that that's that. So, so they're just shut. It sounds like they're just shutting down for three months at least. And they're going to see what happens in like the summer starts. Right. So it, it doesn't have anything to do with the premium uh, rentals. It doesn't have anything to do with any of that, which, again, we talked about it. it's kind of vertically integrated for those businesses for NBC Universal, for example, with the Invisible Man, The Hunt and Emma basically premiering today on Xfinity and iTunes and everywhere. So. Uh, it has nothing to do with that. I know I was calling for that. Like, just give me one, you know, if you're putting it on. Because AMC's, like we, we talked about in the past, they have their own streaming service as well for VOD rentals, essentially. But th this is not going to be a crossover at all, uh, or at least a possibility. So that's unfortunate because I would have loved to see them, you know, keep bringing money in somehow. But a lot of uh, a lot of directors have, have called out there, and Edgar Wright, most notably, just sent out a, a tweet on his social media. He's like, listen, if you want to support theaters during this time, buy gift cards, yeah. buy memberships, buy buy things from your theaters, and um, maybe we all should do that. Maybe we all should you know, give some of the VOD money that we're putting into the uh, streaming services out there into, in, in my case, AMC. So I'll probably do that. I think Ann Thompson 
Thompson has it dead to rights. And I, I shudder to think what's happening with my podunk theater down the hill here. It's so convenient and so easy for me to go to. And I cannot imagine they can withstand being out of business for two to three months because there's not a lot of people that go to it when they're in business, even with the most new, uh, you know, premier movie titles to show on big screen. So I, I fear for what's going to happen to this industry. And I think there's a lot of variable factors that, you know, that go into the new availability on VOD combined with the fact that movie theaters are going to have to close. So maybe only the large chains remain. I, I just keep going back to, it seems like we're shaping up for this brave new world. Once normalcy returns, whatever that means, it's going to be movie theaters that are only showing blockbusters and studios, big studios at least aren't going to even bother putting together budgets for $50 million or less productions. Well, I am not quite worried for your movie theater, though, Mike, because the mob, the mob always needs to launder money. So <laughs> I think you're OK. I hope so. If there's one thing I have faith in still, it's organized crime. Mike, <laughs> we have Sony Pictures. They are now joining WB by releasing Bloodshot early for purchase. WB is doing so for the gentlemen and birds of prey. We've talked about that before. Pixar is also going to release Onward, the country singer film I Still Believe, and Ben Affleck's basketball drama The Way Back. Those are all going to be coming on VOD this next week for 1999 Early Access. Yeah, and they're for purchase. So essentially you have three different windows for, for movies to make money, right? You have their theatrical run. You have uh, the life they have, a, an immediate Blu-ray release mm -hmm. on VOD. And then you have kind of their their life, their afterlife, I guess, on streaming services, on, on cable, whatever. Now you are basically accelerating the second phase for these movies. So Bloodshot was in theaters for a week. There's no theatrical run possible for Bloodshot. It would probably be a waste to try and just put it out in theaters whenever theaters are reopened, right? Because you are you just wasted all that money on the marketing campaign. Right. So fresh off of its marketing campaign, I do think that the studios are looking at this demand for new movies while people are at home and they're saying, all right, let's capitalize on this. If we can, let's, let's salvage some money here. Let's put Bloodshot on there. And if it works, great. And if it doesn't work, then at least we know. And I think they're going to figure it out fairly quickly. Like, we'll, we'll know just based on if other movies come out for 1999 and which movies come out for 1999 because we'll be able to read between the lines. Like, if just The New Mutants comes out, it's not working. If, <laughs> if other movies come out, like, if Wonder Woman comes out, I saw that story today on Slash Film from our main source of uh, cool intel, Chris Evangelista, who said that uh, WB is considering, legitimately considering, putting out Wonder Woman 1984 just for streaming. So, well, I think Trolls World Tour is going to have a lot to say about what you're hitting at right here, regardless, because... So Bloodshot, The Invisible Man, these are all, they're nice movies, but they're fairly low budget. Trolls World Tour is a $125 million budget. So I think if that, you're going to find out if that does well, uh, Universal will know, if that does well on the VOD market, then I think you might get a Wonder Woman 84 out there. It's going to depend on how that big budget first test balloon for the big budget movies and the big blockbusters can handle itself out on the VOD for the 1999 price tag. We're absolutely going to find out based yeah. on what happens over the next month. So I'm intrigued by, by as much, and we, we covered it in the last episode as well. I do want to touch on an Oscar story or two. Scott Feinberg wrote a couple articles on The Hollywood Reporter under his quarantine, and the first was 
that the Academy is evaluating all kinds of issues that are arising with the eligibility uh, because of coronavirus, movie eligibility for the Oscars. Here's what they're considering. Number one, they're considering waiving the theatrical exhibition requirement this year that you you know you have to you know be out there for three weeks before streaming. And uh, essentially, they're just opening, they would open up uh, Oscars eligibility to all streaming titles in this case. I would have a hard time imagining if they do that route, that they would ever be able to walk that back once theaters do reopen, because I can't imagine Netflix being okay with that rule being a one-time only thing. So to me, just knowing what we know about the Academy and how hesitant they are to ever change that rule in the first place, I think that would be sort of a nuclear option for them. Well, I would have argued with you a bit more if this wasn't just like a major sticking point in a month-long negotiation last year. Right. You know, I mean, that was just a major argument yeah, that they had, the of. Academy and Netflix. So all of the positions on uh, uh, in their debate have got to be just coming to the fore. Mm-hmm. So especially with Netflix doing right by the industry and taking care of its employees, Netflix has earned a lot of credit. Uh, in the minds of, of industry members over the past few years, I would say, in many different ways, for good reason and for, for honorable reasons. Now we have this situation where you, you might be entirely right. Once they take it away, uh, take away that eligibility requirement, Netflix should be good to go from right. there on in. And it's, all, and it's just basically it's just a bullshit rule now as it is. You know, to put the Irishman in theaters for three weeks – it's just and it's not like a wide release necessarily so it doesn't matter no it, it doesn't i mean matter. it's it's definitely just the i mean yeah you're right i i can't, i can't speak right now but it's putting it's the academy basically stomping their feet and putting a they think it's putting a priority on the theater going experience over the stay at home streaming experience but it's not really doing that at all because like you said all it is doing is causing harry carry for these smaller theaters to have to negotiate to get that movie into their theaters in the first place because nobody wants to pay for it just to run for three weeks just to lose their audience yeah well scott feinberg's article also goes into the history of the last time the oscars uh had to change their schedule and it's a fascinating look so just go and read that article on the hollywood reporter he also just put another one up today that said that uh, essentially they're bumping back their deadline for people to vote on new members so that was kind of a cool pr story just to put in our minds i say hey we're still getting new members we're still trying to uh get our academy uh to to broaden its views and to select much cooler movies because younger people are involved so i I, that was that was happy for me i was letting i was happy to see that not necessarily just because of what the academy is doing here but just in general about this virus I've been surprised at how uh, accommodating major corporations have at least seemed to be, and that all that does to me is, is tell me just how serious of a situation this is in the first place. Oh, <laughs> but but uh, they've done, I think, far and wide, bigger bodies have done pretty much right by the uh, the little guy in this kind of circumstance, which is what they should be doing. So I, I kind of tip my hat to a lot of uh, a lot of the big organizations out there. Yes, the stories are getting happier, Mike. This one might be the happiest, <laughs> but you're going to take a big, large poop on it. Yeah, I, I am. Uh, this is so 
plans are being made to reopen Chinese theaters as their rate of infection has dwindled down. There had no new cases as of yesterday. Then March 19th was their first time in three months where they didn't have a new case of coronavirus. Uh, the CEO of IMAX was on the record with The Hollywood Reporter talking about how there's already applications for theaters to reopen, being sent into the government, blah, blah, blah. I guess, in a sense, this works because the Chinese theaters were shut down at the opening of the new year, so they haven't yet shown the likes of 1917 or some of last year's Academy Award contenders. So if you have those to release to a new audience, sure, it makes sense you could open, you can show these to new to theaters as they newly reopen with the plan of every other seat being filled in every other row. So you have basically a quarter capacity at most for these theaters. What I have issue with is that there's no way studios are going to be okay with giving out new movies to studios that are going to be a quarter filled and aren't going to be able to be more than a quarter filled. I can't imagine studios bother releasing those kinds of titles to the Chinese market under those circumstances. So So I, why would this why would the theaters reopen in the first place is my question well here's what i think they're going to do i think they have two means to uh basically ramp up the theater business again and based on my reading it sounds like two things number one like you just said they have some carryovers carryover Mm -hmm. films from the the start of the year right and basically theaters were almost looking at that as a sunk cost and i think they'll be happy our our studios will be happy to get any money right if if it's a quarter filled so they'll, they'll just be happy to get some money and they'll need the money at that point i'm sure they'll be able to use it now the other thing that distributors are doing and i think this is noble they're going to give license free uh, titles that have been major hits in China from uh, Neja to Capernaum, Mike. Capernaum mm. made $54 million in China. It was something I learned this morning when I read this, uh, this story. They're going to give all of these big hit movies, a Harry Potter movie, etc. They're going to give them to these Chinese theaters to exhibit and just take all the profits from. And I think that's super noble. I think that the theaters need it. I think that uh, th- you might have a couple weeks or three or four weeks until you can go to 100% capacity again to get the Chinese public used to going to the movies. Maybe they'll do that here as well with the distribution fee cut out and we'll be able to go see the first Star Wars or The Shining again f- for cheap and or for basically just to make a, a donation to our local theater. Hopefully we'll have a disposable income at that point to be able to do as much. <laughs> So, I mean, all this is good, and this is somewhat hopeful that at least they're releasing stories like this at this point after a couple months in quarantine uh, overseas. I just, the timing of it is very unique. You have the first time in three months we don't have a new case, and all of a sudden the IMAX CEO is the one. You know, the Chinese theaters are going to reopen soon. (laughs) All right, let's, let's calm down a little bit. Let's make sure people are healthy, and this thing is pretty much squashed for good over in China, and it can't be, we're not getting more new cases as the days pass here so well i'm gonna save my criticism because i'm so desperate to yes i understand hopeful I, I i'm understand. gonna save that criticism until they actually jump the gun and restart the virus or something like that right then, well, then i'll criticize it until then i'm gonna cling to the hope of a chinese audience going and seeing harry potter and movie theaters being opened around the world again <laughs> slowly but surely i'm gonna break your optimism one way or another over these next few episodes we record but it's i'll let day eight and yeah. I'm close. it's day eight and i'm already <laughs> saying yeah fucking tom brady's a buccaneer 
fucking i don't know man so. I'll, uh, I'll let you have this one we can go a little more positive as you have some stuff to review because we are going to talk about the banker today that's what we're going to have our main review on but i'm going to be very negative when we do that so mike let's stay a little happy for a little longer talk about what you watch on apple tv plus i just didn't click around yet i just got apple tv plus just to watch the banker this afternoon so that's all my experience is with it so far but you've actually watched some stuff yeah, I got it a day early. I wish I could have got it earlier than this because, Mike, uh, these things that I watched were all really, really strong. But Good. let me first describe what this is. Apple Plus does not have it does not have a library accompanying it. It is basically all of their original shows and and movies, and that's it. So they got a couple Oprah specials. They got Oprah's Book Club, which I guess is a show, but specials, shows, movies. And nothing else. Like, I was hoping that I'd get a library because I saw some things available on Apple TV+, Plus, like a few international films that I missed from last year. So I was hopeful, like, they would, I would just find them there. But I was a little bummed out by the fact that they had no library. And then I looked at the price. So once the price starts up, after they give you a seven-day free trial, it's just $5 a month. And, of course, that's the, you know, the, the price of a VOD rental. Right. You know, and not not even some of the higher price VOD rentals as we've seen. So I've watched a bunch of stuff already. I've already got my money's worth, and I do think I will re up for next month, and and we'll see if they'll hold me after that. But I watched the uh, 2019 nature documentary, The Elephant Queen. Michael, this was beautiful, fun. It was pleasant, and then devastating. Oh no, devastating. <laughs> nature is just gorgeous and beautiful i'm glad i watched this but like i i was like an hour in i'm like oh kids must be loving this no (laughs) do not show your child this during quarantine this is the worst movie to watch during quarantine for many reasons great many i was like sitting there almost crying as an adult man watching an movie about elephants good we needed something to shake that optimism out of you all right (laughs) I watched Mythic Quest Raven's Bank. I'm very excited to watch this. This is a terrible title, though. Terrible. Oh, how dare you? No, this is a, the worst title. Like, just get, just call it like video game. No, no, you're, so you're game not, a, you're not a big enough nerd. Look, it's the office at a video game. Uh, producer, right? There's they're making basically the World of Warcraft, and you have Mac and Cricket from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> uh, you you have um, F. Murray Abraham from Amadeus. <laughs> you got all of these kooky, great little side characters. I watched the first four episodes, and it was effortless. Uh, it was one of those kind of shows. So this might be right up your alley. I don't know if it's on the level of a Parks and Rec or The Office, but I, I'll tell you what. Like uh, They'll miss like one joke in four, but the other three hit, and, and a couple of them are really, really funny. So the first four episodes made me laugh a lot. There's no mockumentary uh, kind of format here like The Office, but it, it, it really is in, in you know that kind of vein and it's a fun show good i'm really looking forward to it i can't wait and they're the always sunny guys they're they're always hits with us anyway yeah they, he's funny i mean he's basically playing mac right so that's perfect <laughs> i don't that's think he can play another character to be honest i was <laughs> surprised to see the range of cricket though cricket's a very good actor in this so i was very happy good. To, to see him you know spread his wings a little bit but i also watched dickinson and i just watched the first episode and it, it left it quite the impression on me elena smith is the creator she got david gordon green to direct a few episodes he also directed some uh, raven's banquet there too he's kind of the uh kind of the pinch hitter for 
you know, the ringer there for for all of these Apple TV Plus shows, I would say. Nice. But you have Haley Steinfeld from uh, Bumblebee, Jane Krakowski from 30 Rock and Kimmy Schmidt, uh, plus uh, Ella Hunt from Anna and the Apocalypse and Wiz Khalifa. Yes, Wiz Khalifa plays death in all of these uh, surreal flashbacks. No, not fine. He plays it- death? Yeah, I don't know what you would call this narrative device, but she basically like goes and visits with death, which it's, it happens in like early in the first episode, at the end of the first episode, whatever. It's a spoiler, but it's cool and it's and it's wild and it's like this this strange thing that's happening throughout the the show. I'm guessing so. It's it's a very strange show in the sense that you, she talks regular, like she's from. You know, today's modern days, right. Haley Steinfeld. And then, like, Jane Krakowski talks in old English, like she's off the set of Little Women, and it's a Civil War era show. It's bizarre, but it's funny, and it's and the drama works. And then you got these beautiful poems, because Emily Dickinson, if, if you guys didn't know, is like a, a really good poet, I'm told. <laughs> and she, you got the, she was okay with a pen, yeah. She was okay, and you got these poems spliced through, so that's that's pretty cool. So of those three, which is the most important watch for you right now to survive this quarantine with your sanity? No, I want to watch more Dickinson. Like, okay. I, like we'll, we'll we'll shut down, and I'll probably watch some more Dickinson. Like I was I was really wanting to to watch some more of that, and I didn't want to miss the morning show though, so right. I kind of squeezed in the morning show in the last few hours. And uh, Jennifer Aniston, Reese Witherspoon, Steve Carell. The first episode, Mike, is so watchable. It's got tons of momentum. Great performances. I loved it. I thought the first episode was kick-ass. I have no idea how the rest of the first season goes, but as as, as first episodes go, this was terrific. And yeah, you'll 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 probably like this uh, this one too. Yeah, with all the talent involved in that show, I'm surprised the reviews are what they were because uh, there was a lot of stuff when that first came out when per- people first started uh, applying and getting the subscription to Apple TV Plus for the morning show. That was like the big hook. People just seem to not be happy with how that show went as it, as the season wore on, which I was really, really surprised by because you look at the, you know, Steve Carell, Jennifer Aniston, Reese Witherspoon. Those are three people that don't really choose bad projects or boring projects to be involved with. So I can see how they might have started too strong, though, because like Jennifer Aniston's crying in the first episode. Reese Witherspoon is screaming and yelling, and it's just like one Oscar reel scene after another, even though the the, the tone of the show isn't necessarily just super heavy drama. They, I mean, they have, you know, quips and, and stuff thrown in there. It's not, you know, they're making a TV show, so it's not like... You know, you can't you can't hang with it. It's it's not like the Ameri- you're watching the Americans and you can only watch one a week because you can't binge that show, right, by the way. Right. You just can't. It's never. <laughs> the morning show is probably bingeable. So that's a, that's another one that I, I want to continue watching. So if it does go off the rails, I'll be watching it. So for sure. Yeah, that one is the most appealing of the TV shows that I probably will start watching first. I'll be honest with you. And there's also Servant by M. Night Shyamalan. You haven't had a chance to see this yet, right, Mike? No, I, I wanted to watch that. I couldn't squeeze it in. Hala and Visible out on television are two, two more movies. And I was considering clicking on the NASA space program drama for all mankind. So, you know, those four plus Oprah's book club will probably help us all right now. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Oprah, speak about a book, a great book that we probably all should read. So, yeah, th- those five things are on there. But there's like, Mike, there's like 12 TV shows and there's like three movies on there. That's what this is. So don't be misguided from us 
uh, on the one hand. On the other hand, everything I watched so far has been solid at, at worst. Yeah, a lot of quality, maybe not so much with the quantity as far as the streaming service and what you're used to. So that's a quick overview of Apple TV Plus and what you can find on there. And look, that's why we're doing this quarantine collection series that we're doing. We're trying to hit at least one movie or at least one new movie from pretty much every streaming service that's available to you, letting you know an overview of the network, whether it's worth your investment and your time and whether the movies are as well. And that's where we will transition because what just dropped on the 19th or early on the morning on the 20th was the banker from George Nolfi, the latest from Apple TV Plus. We've previewed the trailer or reviewed the trailer. We reviewed the preview, as I like to say. But today we're getting our hands on it. We're watching it. We're going to give it a review. Uh, Mike, I'm glad you were so positive about the offerings Apple TV Plus has up to this point because I hated this movie. <laughs> I, I, I noticed that in our pre-production uh, conversation. But, yeah, let's give it a little bit of an introduction here. I think uh, George Nolfi, he's got, you know, credits to his name, Born Ultimatum, Ocean's 12. you got Brad Kane, who's a writer for Fringe and Black Sails. You have Nicole R. Levy from Cloak and Dagger, Shades of Blue. You have David Lewis Smith, who is a VFX guy, turning into a writer. He was a VFX guy on Independence Day. He was an editor on Bad Boys and then Stan Young. This is his first credit. So a huge writing team. I know we were both worried about as much because usually that signals some doom or at least a lot of hands in the kitchen, which can go either way yeah, usually it goes one way when you have a lot of writers that usually means the network or the studio or the whoever was like hey uh you over there you want to clean this up for us a couple times over and that might be what happened with this for the cast of this we have anthony mackie who is best known probably from playing the falcon in the mcu he's also been in such films as detroit and the hurt locker samuel l jackson maybe you've heard of him nicholas holt from the favorite mad max fury road we also have nia long who was in the best man movies james dumont Colm meany michael harney who was in True Detective Season 1, Jesse T. Usher and Taylor Black also appear. Yeah, there was a scandal about this film that we covered way back because it's based on uh, this great uh, American uh, entrepreneur, Bernard Garrett. Unfortunately, accusations have been levied against his son, Bernard Garrett Jr. They've been levied by his sisters. Uh, it It was a story that rocked this movie's release off the calendar afi festivals where it was supposed to premiere last year heading into oscar season apple tv plus was looking at it as a possible oscar contender it still was supposed to get a theatrical release on march 6th of this year heading into its march 20th release on their streaming service but it's not going to be an Oscar uh, possibility now, we both say. Well, with this year, who knows? Anthony Mackie may be in the running for best actor if Corona wipes the industry off the map, but that's a different conversation for a different day. Maybe that'll be an episode, a quarter one if this is the Oscars, who wins what? I still vote for Pete (laughs) Davidson. The reception of this movie so far, 73% from critics on Rotten Tomato on an early 45 reviews right now, does carry a 100% audience score, but that's only on 88 ratings at last time we checked as of Wednesday. A 57 Metascore pretty low 5.2 imdb score pretty low on 267 ratings so pretty early as well for imdb yeah it's kind of a healthy exercise to review these movies that are getting middling scores for us i don't know if it's something that you and i can continue with because we're hard on everybody but (laughs) it's it's also a tough it's a tough practice to do during quarantine (laughs) Right. Like if we're week three and we get a 50 percenter, 
where do you think that's going? Yeah. That is going to be like in the toilet from us. I already started with the pre-production of the F-bombs going every other sentence, and Mike had to talk <laughs> me down. So we'll see how long that can continue. Yeah. Anyway, the plot premise of The Banker reads, In the 1960s, two African-American entrepreneurs hire a working-class white man to pretend to be the head of their business empire while they pose as a janitor, janitor or a janitor or whatever I was going to say, and a chauffeur. <laughs> well, <laughs> mumbling aside, I think that's an intriguing plot premise. And just like I think the trailer that we reviewed laid out an intriguing movie, and maybe that's part of why I'm so down on this. I think this was a very... Very, very large disappointment for me, uh, in no small part because my expectations were pretty high. What were your expectations going into this, Mike? Yeah, I didn't have as high expectations uh, as you did, no. apparently, because I kind of got what I expected. I, I expected a very cliched movie. I expected a film that was going to be solid in terms of how it was made. I liked a lot of the uh, the montages again. This is another movie. I did pick up movie. on the montages this time because of our chat last time. So you uh, you did have that impression on me. Yeah, I like the strong message, even though it's an obvious one. But I do think that this movie can open up your eyes a little bit to how deep and insidious all the racism was for so many years. And they, they give you some some smaller examples when I think the film is at its best like early on in the movie you know he's dealing with one of his tenants and she is just aghast that he is her landlord yeah and, and you know it, it, it it's done in subtler ways than that there's a follow-up conversation that i thought was one of my best scenes I, I do think you know to see how much the deck is stacked against these characters i mean i can only imagine how the real life people and what they had to deal with and how they and how heroic they were to get through all this to make their careers what they became so that that's a good message that's a hopeful message at the end of the day i agree with everything you said and that's part of my frustration i think the story is captivating i think there's a great message at the heart of this and and that's when I get most frustrated is when you have all this at your disposal and yet, uh, to me, you kind of fumble it away. This is the second movie in a week we're reviewing where I thought the end credits and like the text on the screen that told the kind of the prologue of this story yeah. was more intriguing to me and, and did more. I had a better, more vivid image and a vivid movie in my head than what I was just given for the last hour and a half, two hours to sit through. And that's a problem when I when you get to that for me. I would agree. Unfortunately, I'm going to have issues with the end when we get to spoilers pretty soon here. I, I do want to point out that this movie did some things with uh, financial math, making them cinematic in ways that they haven't been cinematic before. And exposition dumps, like just getting so ambitious with their exposition dumps, Michael, that I'm kind of impressed. I'm not going to lie. Like for them to just hold on a, a conversation about math, for like two and a half minutes of screen time yeah. is shocking in this day and age in a big budget movie. So I, they pulled it off okay, I would say, or at least passable in many cases. I, I couldn't keep up with all of it, but I at least got the broad strokes and the performances are solid throughout uh, when they're doing the big math rambling. So I, I was surprised to see that being at least passable. It, it put a ton of cliches and cliched tropes I actually thought this movie was better just to be called the cliche instead of the banker. But what it does well is that, okay, if you're going to have like the loud, bombastic businessman that's always putting his two cents in and is very blunt and very honest and swears a little bit, 
if you're going to have that character who's in pretty much every one of these movies, you might as well cast Samuel L. Jackson in that role because he's the only guy that's turned that character into a true art form over the years because he's played it so often and so incredibly well. So, yeah, there's there's highlights to be had. There are bests that I have. Uh, so I agree. It's, you know, by, it's not the worst. Again, I, I hate saying this as a review and a summation, but it's not the worst movie I've ever seen. It is not the worst movie we've ever seen, and by far from it. Samuel Jackson was also a standout for me. He's almost at Anthony Hopkins level yes, now agree. with elevating mediocre, if not you know, on-the-nose, terrible dialogue. So I, I thought he did a nice job with a lot of this. In another life, you know, we can ask the question of would this be an Oscars movie? I, I don't think it ever would, to, to, to be honest with you. Uh, do you ever think this is an Oscars movie? I mean, it's a it's a valiant effort, but I think it does fall short. Not on the heels of Green Book. Green Book did everything very similarly and did it so much better and so much more cinematic. Even though there was a lot of issues in Green Book that I thought were present in this movie as well, as well as as far as the story being told. With you could argue there were some white savior tropes included in this one. All the same, uh, and a matter of fact, I probably will say at least one of them in the spoiler section. But when you're on the heels of something that for all of Green Book's faults, and there are a ton, it's just an all-around better movie and a better told story than this one. So I can't imagine this one would... I think the obvious comparison is to hold this one kind of up to Green Book, and I think it would fall fall short. So we're saying get Apple TV Plus in a weird way yeah. because there's some cool stuff on there, but you probably can skip this movie. Uh, you don't have to watch this. I, yeah, I, I agree with everything. Like I think that's a perfect conclusion there you should get apple tv plus it looks like there's a lot of interesting and and cool stuff on there and you just gave your review of a lot of it and you say it's high quality don't get apple tv plus to watch the banker you don't need to watch the banker yeah i think uh, i think that's it but let's uh let's go over a few other plot spoilers i guess spoilers ahead this is a spoiler warning spoilers spoilers section of The Banker, the new Apple TV Plus movie from George Nolfi that just debuted today as we record this, March 20th, hopefully yesterday as you're listening to this on the 21st, maybe the 22nd, maybe time has stopped and lost all relevance because we don't know what day it is anymore in this quarantine, but that's why we're doing this quarantine collection set of episodes from Mike, Mike, and Oscar. If you've not seen The Banker yet, this is a good place for you to hit pause, go subscribe to Apple TV Plus, go check it out, we'll be here waiting for you when you come back. If you've seen The Banker already, if you don't care to watch it, you just want to hear our thoughts on the spoilers this is where you want to be all spoilers from here until the end of the episode the banker review as part of the quarantine collection from mike mike and oscar michael let's talk spoilers well cole meany is probably the best he's been in a long time i mean he's he's been in a bunch of british shows and he's he's, he's always that he's always that guy right 
He's that guy in every movie. Well, he he was really good as like the mentor character for Bernard here, guaranteeing uh, the loan. That was a nice scene uh, where he's talking about normal business customs, and there's a nice little flip in that conversation where you think he's gonna, you know, basically turn on him or get him in trouble, and then he actually becomes his business partner over the next, you know, two minutes. So that I thought that was decent. It was a decent hook. Yeah, I didn't have a problem with uh, with Cole Meany's character per se, and I think I like what he stood for to me i said this in non-spoilers i'm just gonna harp maybe i'm gonna highlight one white savior narrative and i think this was it for me i i just had a problem it set the wrong tone of the movie for me if you're gonna have the guy that's in charge of everything and really is is the motivator that makes things go if you're gonna have this movie that's centered on these two black businessmen going up against all this adversity i think starting the movie out with with the random white bankers largesse and him being the whole reason that this movie can go forward in the first place in one of the very first scenes, it just struck the wrong note with me. And I could be totally barking up the wrong tree. This could have been a historical accuracy thing. It could have been 100% true to life and the retelling of what actually did happen. I just found that a little hard to take to start the movie with. Well, I'm not smart enough to really distinguish this movie from other movies in the genre, I'd, I'd say. But unfortunately, this has become a genre in many ways. Yeah. Where it's, it's you know, it's it's people from multiple races working together. And uh, Colmini, in particular, is, is having an MVP moment there early in this movie, just like Nicholas Holt, who's worked into the premise of the film. You know, because, again, this is, you know, I'm saying this is the genre because it's in the premise of the film where Nicholas Holt, Holt is working for samuel jackson and he's working for bernard's character anthony mackie's character there so i i I expected that right and i i wasn't necessarily just thrown off uh because because it happens early i just didn't expect it to happen with that character so i thought the scene was well written yeah that's fair that's fair I, i i could definitely see the highlight of it I do like the Samuel Jackson character's introduction at the club and then at the later on, you know, he's got a bunch of great lines. He's like, I'm not the asshole you think I am. I, I'm j- I just love some of the flair that they give his character throughout. And li- he's elevating all the dia- dialogue anyway the rest of the time. So when he actually gets a big line, like, I'm not fucking your wife, like, <laughs> nice to meet you, I'm not fucking your wife, that, that's brilliant. And he just he crushes it. Yeah, he was responsible. I don't have many bests. Uh, for this movie, but he was responsible. I think I had three, and he's he's two of them. Uh, one, I, again, elevating the dialogue. I think, and my, one of my favorite parts of the movie was when the the bad guy, quote unquote, from the bank, one of the bank employees, who's who's a white teller or a white loan uh, underwriter finds out that it's actually Anthony Mackie and Samuel L. Jackson who are running the bank and Nicholas Holt is being used based essentially as a figurehead at that point. And he catches them in the act and says, oh, you're really running this bank, aren't you? When he walks in and confronts them, this banker goes, look, I've got nothing against you people personally. And Samuel L. Jackson, without missing a beat, goes, that's mighty whitey. you. That made me laugh hard <laughs> out loud because there's 18 layers of subtext to that. And I also want to give Samuel L. Jackson credit. I thought the relationship that he built on screen between his more flamboyant and playboy-esque character and he's referred to as a playboy within the movie by Anthony Mackie by himself actually and Anthony Mackie straight-laced Bernard character they made a really really well-established yin and yang playing off one another's shortcomings 
Yeah, I think Bernard is such like a deadpan character. Like he, he really sells himself as like a finance guy, as a banker. Yeah. And he's not the, you know, the the lavish salesman that Samuel Jackson is and, and must have been, I guess, in real life with this character. So I, I like that yin and yang. That is fun. I do think Samuel Jackson would be a more difficult coach of golf. <laughs> than he is shown to be in this movie. But I think he's a great golf coach in this movie. I also think, you know, I think Bernard's the perfect math coach, and I think Samuel Jackson is a good math tutor as well. I, I, I look at other Samuel Jackson characters. Can you imagine, like, Jules having to teach math? <laughs> Can you imagine Jules <laughs> to have to teach golf? But it is kind of a male fantasy moment there, that middle-of-the-movie montage where Nicholas Holt has to learn golf. And, and that's that was a really fun you know, five minutes for me, I thought. <laughs> I thought it was funny. I was... I, it, it appalled me that that was the moment where essentially the text of the movie is, all right, we're going to teach Nicholas Holt everything he needs to learn about being a big, bad banker. And they cut to a golf montage. Well, the yeah, first thing you need fun. to learn is golf. It's like, what? It's true, though. I've worked in finance. It's yeah, you're not wrong. True. You're not wrong. So they want to play golf. The deals get done on the course. I mean, it's still true. I mean, it's not true now, obviously. But it was true at a certain time in uh, in American life when we they would go to go Men would go to golf courses because they had disposable income. <laughs> Remember when we all could go outside and hang out together, Mike? No, but it, it, it yeah. was a fun sequence. And then, you know, you got a lot of good lines from Samuel Jackson in the process. A lot of good looks from Samuel Jackson in the process. Another line he has later in the film, uh, even a rigged game is fun to play, Bernard. Like, they're having this heavy conversation about the racism and the, the how they're getting boxed out of a deal. And... You know, he 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 drops that line. Yeah, and it just that that crushed it. Samuel Jackson had some moments in this movie. I thought, agree, absolutely agree. Uh, final last scene that I liked was I kind of liked how they posed the big dilemma for Bernard at the end, even though I, I don't think it's a good sequence. The the finale of the movie, I just liked that scene where they're trying to frame the dilemma. The Arkansas lawyer is, is basically telling him that, all right, you get this immunity deal and he's got this slick way of, 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 of uh, laying it out for him. You got this immunity deal. And basically the government, you know, is allowed to write legislation that hurts civil rights. If you take the immunity or you go to jail but then you get your chance to just speak out. Right. And I, I, I liked how he let that out there to him, trying to make that, you know, that fancy argument to Bernard, who he thinks is a pragmatist. And he really doesn't change his tone of voice, whoever that actor was. I thought he did a great job. Yeah, I, I, I think the performances I didn't think were great, but I, I did appreciate, and you've mentioned a couple of them already, I did appreciate some of the lower on the card, some of the supporting performances. I thought they did uh, better than expected. All right, so let's get into the worst. I, I would say you probably got a little more than me, Michael. Right, so you go ahead and start. <laughs> so the the whole the whole thing gets started with the white man, the white banker saying, basically, I like your moxie. Again, that was a big worst for me. It just set the wrong tenor of the movie. I didn't appreciate, I thought there were no shades of gray to any character. I thought there was no conflict. The only personal conflict that came up in any character was, was at the very end that you just referenced. It was Nicholas Holt's character being given the uh, issue of, am I going to throw these two men under the bus or am I going to tell the truth and maybe get in trouble? He ends up throwing them under the bus, but it's a twist on that at the end of the movie. But nonetheless, that's the only conflict he has. So you have either that 
white person character or you have the white person character who's the racist overly racist old woman neighbor at the beginning of the movie when anthony mackie's coming in who just race is the only thing that matters to her and i can't possibly live next to a black guy or have a black guy here after hours there was no characterization of any of these characters well the performances like i just said i thought were okay i thought they were so to you figure of speech black and white not necessarily literally black and white the characterization is a problem, but I, I do think they're taking swings at characterizing Bernard and Samuel Jackson's, uh, I forget his, his character's name, but and Nicholas Holt. Like, it's a three-man movie. It's a movie about three characters, essentially. And, and those three I kind of like, even though there are some really bad scenes. Like, the scene where Samuel Jackson is basically just telling Bernard how he's been characterized throughout the movie is a bad scene. Yeah. He's just like, you started out and I thought you were this. And he's like, I, I met you. I thought you were just a playboy. But but Samuel Jackson's just like, but you're really a revolutionary, <laughs> which is what you're going to be at the end of this third act. Right. Soon, very soon, starting now. Right. I mean, that's that's another thing. The cliches that are all over this place. And going back to the golf scene, that, that was, it was funny, but then... You know they're beating it into your head. Eye on the ball. Keep your effing head down. Eye on the ball. Keep your... And that's all set up for this payoff that really isn't even a payoff when they're dropping Nicholas Holt off at this bank that they're going to purchase. It was so... I, I, I found myself getting to the point like, I said the line before Samuel L. Jackson did in the car because you just it was so <laughs> obvious. It was so overly done over and over again. Yeah, I mean, there, there's, like, cliches and how they set up some big scenes, too. Like, uh, Nicholas Holt is finally going to pull the ruse on somebody. And then, at that moment, he tells Samuel Jackson, I don't always do great under pressure. <laughs> what? <laughs> you tell him now, at this point, after they've vetted you for a month and taught you golf and yeah. math? Yeah, so, on, so hokey. And I think it's underscored maybe most by this sequence of scenes. It was three cliche scenes in a row with no substance behind them whatsoever. We get the scene with the white people's neck snapping as Bernard and Joe come through after the work Matt, which is Nicholas Holt's character, did to set everything up for them. So then the bank is bought, so now it's Bernard and Joe are going to come in, Anthony Mackie and Samuel L. Jackson, and all the white people's necks are snapping. Immediately following that is the scene where Bernard gets the approval of his father who shunned him basically in the first scene or his father-in-law whoever that character is right. they, they have this conversation on the porch which is apropos of nothing other than for that character the older character to say you know i'm proud of you bernard which was set up earlier in the movie and then the following scene right after that is suddenly bernard needing to go on the other side of the tracks with eunice suggesting he take his son who we didn't even know existed up until that point Right. And I think that's on purpose. It probably was, but why not cut yeah. that whole sequence? You don't need to literally say it's important your son knows where he comes from if that's mm -hmm. the only reason you're going to have him in the movie. What it, it, it was important to do was to cut the son out of the movie. Right, right, exactly. Because so that's a, like a worse scene in general, because the son turned out to be accused of uh, sex crimes right. by his sisters. <laughs> right, so that's, that's its own loaded ball of wax there. But, man, I thought this movie was just loaded with cliche. I said this to you in the pre-production. Pre this felt like if you had fed a computer a thousand scripts having to deal with race relations and just nothing but text... Of all those movies that we've seen over and over and redone and redone, and then you filmed and put on Apple TV Plus what the computer spit back out at you as a test script. That's what this felt like to me. 
you had a lot of hands in the kitchen. You know, how are they going to fix things? They're going to fix things with conventions. I mean, basically, it looked like a screenwriting room. And yeah. they went with a lot of cliches. It's one of the first bigger movies to be released on the service. So I think they're trying to just, you know, lay it up, you know, if to put a, a golf term out there. They're just trying to lay up and put something decent out there. Hopefully people can enjoy some of it, even though it's, it's, a, it's a little cliche, like you say. Sometimes cliches are not always bad when I you agree. have some fun moments mixed in between. For me, I had some more fun moments than I expected. Like, I expected this movie to just be like, see, I'm not going to really have fun with it, even though I like the trailers. But since then, I've seen the reviews, so I kind of thought it was just going to be – I was going to be down on it. But I don't know. To me, the end – had a, had one nice moment in it. Otherwise, they kind of yada yada the important stuff. Yes. Like, that I actually wanted to see dramatized. <laughs> yes. A like lot. You said at the beginning. But I don't know. You can't win them all, I guess. We can't love them all. Uh, do you have any other worse, Mike? I have a billion, but I'm not going <laughs> to. I'm not going to weigh this down by going into all of them. The only one that really bugged me that I can't imagine why this was written. When Nicholas Holt is being questioned by the auditor, essentially, right? And they're yeah. sharing a desk, and he keeps going back and forth to Anthony Mackie and Samuel L. Jackson's character for advice and help to try to, like, help them out. They have this big meeting in the men's bathroom where the auditor is basically suspicious of everybody. He doesn't want Anthony Mackie, who's dressed as a janitor, eavesdropping. He's, he's keeping an eye on Nicholas Holt wherever Holt goes. Why would we believe that Eunice, Anthony Mackie, Bernard's wife, who's dressed as a maid, could just walk into the men's room where those three are meeting without anybody raising any eyebrows whatsoever? I don't know. That's a good point. <laughs> bothered, That's a little strange. That bothered the shit out of me, Mike. <laughs> like, she's clearly going to come in there to give words of wisdom and advice, but this guy who wouldn't let Nicholas Holt breathe without giving him the evil eye and the side eye is just not going to watch him walking to a bathroom, followed by his janitor, followed by his driver, which is what Samuel L. Jackson was dressed up as, followed by the female maid... <laughs> Yeah, that 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 didn't work. They shouldn't have showed the wide shot. I guess. Uh, yeah. They shouldn't have showed the proximity of the bathroom <laughs> to the other guy. There's a lot of stuff they shouldn't have showed. I felt, but yeah, that's yeah. that'll be that'll be the last worst I, I I get hung up on. But man, did that bother me? And I know it's a little thing, and it's it means nothing in the long run. But God, did that bother me? Well, I, I still had, had some fun moments involved, like I said. So I'm still going to give this a C plus, probably like a 78, 79. You kind of talked me down a point or two. I was almost in the B minus range before. Just trying and wanting to like this movie. And I kind of, you know, I was pleasantly surprised by this movie a little bit because I expected to kind of hate it after like the last two weeks of uh, reading the reviews. So what do you have as a final grade? Yeah, I'm, I'm like a 70, a C minus. I really didn't enjoy this watch, but I, I I think there's good to come of it if you watch it during the quarantine. This is probably like a quarantine B- minus for me because you do have a lot of talent and the talent is doing their job on screen and on camera there. Uh, again, I don't think you need to go out of your way to watch this. If you're watching this just to... If you're looking for highlights, if you're desperate to have some positivity and optimism like we all might be right now, yeah, you could probably get some good out of this. As far as how it is on a movie and just based on, on the merits of the film, I was not all that impressed. 70 C minus for me. But obviously we want to hear from you. And did you buy Apple TV Plus? And if you have, have you watched The Banker? What did you think about it? And either way, is, is Apple TV Plus one of the streaming services you may purchase during this 
quarantine and during this time in our lives where everything is kind of up in the air we want to hear from you as always guys you can reach out to us we are mike mike and oscar on facebook mike mike and oscar on instagram at mm and oscar on twitter mike mike and oscar at gmail.com.com and on reddit we are available everywhere you hear podcasts including an especially apple podcast if you wouldn't mind being so kind as to go on apple Podcasts and leaving us a five-star review they truly do help us out a lot and i mean you're quarantined anyway so it'll take you 10 seconds that's what you want to do if not now then they're never gonna do it change strategies (laughs) mike what are some words of wisdom and what's coming next from us well i think i think i meant these words when i wrote them more than i do now at the end of this uh episode (laughs) but keep hope alive everybody Please keep hope alive. Uh, hopefully you're all watching some good stuff at home while you're trying to lay low, while you're forcibly detained by law. Yes. Not to, to go anywhere. Uh, it's getting dark. But look, I mean, we really appreciate uh, our audience sticking with us during the crisis. And hopefully we're giving you some entertainment, some news here and there and uh, trying to keep you entertained. We're going to review Blow the Man Down on Amazon Prime next. I, I think we've kind of dabbled into each one of the major streaming services thus far, or yeah. we will by the end of this little mini-series here. So that's the next one. I'm really excited to see that one. That's gotten some rave reviews uh, all over the Internet, so I'm, I'm up, actually up for that. We got an MMOW. We got Crip Camp on Netflix, like we said, so we'll go back to Netflix again at the end of next week. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm really excited to, to get to that one. It's getting some pretty high marks across the board. You got a, a duo of, of female directors behind the helm of that one. So looking forward to it. And, you know, we're doing this for the quarantine collection. We're trying to give you options, letting you know which streaming service might be most worth your time and which new releases you can kill a couple hours with, because I think that's what we're all looking for here. Some optimism and some uh, something to put a smile on our face. You, without the size, that would have been more convincing. <laughs> without I'm the- trying, man. <laughs> We're just trying to get through another. (laughs) We're all fine. Everything's okay. (laughs) That that should be the tone of voice, I guess, if we're going to be honest with the the, the folks going forward. That should be the next two weeks of episodes. Everything's fine. Don't worry about it. Yeah, one of those. (laughs) Christ almighty. This is only day, what I said, seven earlier. I think it's day eight. This is only day eight. Michael. The world is a dark and desolate place. <laughs> Look, we, we hope sincerely that you guys are safe. We hope everyone's healthy. We hope you uh, you found some laughs and some, some happy times here with us. We'll keep putting out the content for you guys. When reality sucks, like it kind of does right now, you can keep on watching these movies with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness. Stay healthy out there. We will see you very soon. See you.